2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I focus on your mental health. You surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours.
0: Hello and welcome back to Mentally Yours. It's Rachel here, and we've got a very special episode coming up today, but also a bit of a sad one because it's going to be Yvette's final episode recording with us as she goes out into the world onto Pastors New. Yvette, I'm really, really sad to see you go, um, but it's also hopefully a bit of a bittersweet moment where we can just reflect on everything you've achieved over the years. Um, We're gonna go on a bit of a stroll down memory lane today to hear some of your highlights because I know there are many of them. So why don't we start by going right back to the very beginning. For listeners who might not know, or maybe can't remember because it has been so long, when did mentally yours start? You've been working on this for a really long time.
3: Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Rachel. So we started in twenty seventeen. So we've been going for five years. Um and yeah, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, but we've brought out loads and loads of episodes, pretty much almost one a week. Um, so I don't know how many hundreds of episodes that is, but it's quite a lot. And yeah, it sort of started just from an idea. Um Yeah Ellen Scott and I came up with the idea um, and then we got our producer involved and we just sort of went from there from recording um, and getting people involved. It tended to be initially um, people who I was commissioning to write pieces about mental health um, for metro.co.uk and that's where we, we sort of started from.
0: Yeah it's um there's, there's just been so, so many episodes, that too many to even count. Did you ever imagine it would still be going five
3: years plus later? I mean, I'm really thrilled that it sort of has sort of kept going so long. Um, and I'm very proud of sort of the range of topics we've been able to cover and the amount of people we've been able to, to chat to um, and the different sort of directions that we've taken it. Um but yeah, I suppose it is fairly unusual for podcasts to sort of keep going and going um, for so long. And, and also I know a lot of them sort of do <clears throat> short seasons um, or they might do kind of one or two seasons and then stop and break. But I think also just the momentum that we've had pretty much every week for five years <laughs> is yeah quite unusual.
0: It definitely is. Yeah. I am impressed slash intimidated by that momentum. Um, so why don't we have a little chat about some of your favourite episodes from over the years? I know there's gonna be a lot, but have you been able to kind of narrow it down for some highlights for us?
3: Yeah, sure. So this this was not an easy job because there's like I said before, there's there's a lot of episodes um and there's lots of conversations that were really sort of important to me and there's lots of things I'm quite proud of. And when coming up with this list, I was trying to think about a combination of things that really stand out for me, but also that might really help risk listeners still these days. Um, So the first one that came to mind um, is really sort of to do with the fact of why we set up this podcast in the first place. So we set up this podcast, to help people feel less alone so that people who live with long-term mental illness, um, know that there's other people out there who live with similar long-term mental illnesses. Um, and also just offer some hope, hopefully, hopefully offer some hope, um, just because it can be quite a lonely place. Um, especially when you've sort of first been through a difficult situation. Um, so yeah, the first ones that I was thinking about were the ones where we talked to people with a lived experience of long-term mental illness. So we've done that right from the start and we've carried on doing that through the years. Um, and if you look at our initial episodes um, all the way back, if you look at ones like uh, episode 17, talking to Erica Crompton about schizophrenia and episode 19, talking to Bethany Allen about her BPD, um, Then we've sort of carried all all through to then Hazel talking about non-organic psychosis in 2022 and Graham Morgan talking about his schizophrenia in September, 2022. Um, I think those episodes are really close to my heart because obviously I live with bipolar disorder myself. And I think if you've just been diagnosed with a long-term mental illness, it can be helpful to hear stories like theirs, um, because I think they offer hope. So yeah, Graham's is a great one, I think, to listen to.
4: I first went to hospital. This may be interesting to some of your listeners, uh, years and years ago, and it was one of the old asylums. That experience is what got me into the sort of speaking out about what we go through. Um, I was in somewhere called Middlewood that shut many, many years ago, but used to have thousands of patients in it. And it was in Sheffield. And the room, place I was in, there were smashed windows. There were holes in the walls. The beds were about a foot apart from each other. There was no privacy at all. Sleeping at night was really, really noisy. And um, it was just a horrible, horrible environment. Um, I was completely unprepared for it. What really struck me, though, which is strange, is some of the nurses were lovely. Um, They weren't in uniforms. And unlike today, it was very common to go in the evening to the pub for um, recreation and to get out of the hospital environment. But there were times which were hard when, say, a, a, a patient would be restrained by nurses, which was really very, very horrible to see.
3: In terms of the next sort of one that I was looking at is the, some of the topics we've covered Um, One of the ones that really stood out to me is the ones that we've had around mental health of people in prisons. So we've had a couple um, on that. Um, And there's just one called Prison Life uh, with a guy called Chris Atkins, who had spent time in prison. um, And he talked very openly about what that was like and also what it was like for people who were struggling with mental illness in there. Um, there's also another episode called Life in Prison um, in 2020, and that was with Paula Harriet of the Prison Reform Trust. And I think both of them are just interesting because they're perspectives that maybe people might not hear very often. That's um, definitely sort of a group of people that can get forgotten about. Um, so that's very important to me as well, sort of highlighting, I suppose, getting people's voices out there. Um is really key to the podcast in general, which sort of brings me on to, well, another one, um, which would be the experts. So again, this is another area that we've really, I don't know, the, the crucial thing about the podcast is people with everyday experience sharing their stories. But we've also had quite a lot of episodes as well now with some really interesting experts. Um, talking about, you know, the makeup of the brain, um, how addiction works, all sorts of things very specific, you know, really top experts from mental health charities as well. Um, one of my favourites in terms of the experts um, was an episode called Be Kind to Yourself, um, which is Sharu Izadi. And I, I think I wanted to sort of just mention that one in there because that was quite a personal one to me. Um, this was one of these ones where um, I went to where I'd read the book and it actually just really helped me personally. We've had loads of really interesting experts, lots of great advice. I've been sent lots of really fantastic mental health books, but that was a really helpful one um, because that sort of sets out um, in a nutshell just how to be nicer to yourself, how to improve your self-esteem. And I don't think I've really found many other books that sort of do that so that was a very helpful one and she's just a really great speaker as well.
5: So I think a lot of the time people think that making changes in their behaviour is about looking at what's wrong with their behaviour and what's wrong with them and although that kind of tough love Uh, approach can get things going it doesn't keep you going I think the thing that keeps you going is being nicer to yourself and acknowledging what your assets are and what your strengths are so that you can keep tapping into those resources as opposed to kind of beating yourself up and coming from a place of feeling um depleted of energy and just not very positive
3: can you tell us a bit about your background and your motivation for writing this book
5: Yeah, I worked in um, addiction treatment in various different capacities. So mainly with drug addicts in uh, prisons, in the community and clinically. And I found all these um, tools that I saw were really useful. And I realized that if you strip them down and take the jargon out and make them available to everyone, um, they're actually very simple to use and they're really effective. And then I tried them out on myself Um, And after a a lifetime of yo-yo dieting and feeling really negative about my body and wanting to lose weight, I managed to lose eight stone and keep it off. And so that's when I started practicing sort of taking these tools and making them applicable to anything, not just drug addiction. And I wanted to share them in the most simple way possible so that people didn't have to keep handing themselves over to um, experts.
3: Another really great one... um which is a completely different topic. Um, But another interview that I was really kind of proud of doing, I think, um, but just really grateful that she took the time to speak to me, um, was Adji Lewis. So that's um, Adji Lewis talking about her son, um, Shaney and Shaney's law. And that's one that you really need to go back and listen to, um, because her story, what happened to Shaney and the consequences and then what's happened with Shaney's law. It's all so important. It was and it's important today still. But it's also important to think about what has changed, but also what hasn't changed. Um, so that was a really crucial one. And I'm really grateful to her for taking the time to talk to us.
6: You know, as far as um Shaney's law is concerned, it just affects mental health. Units, you know, we're hoping it will be maybe go further. But, um, for instance, mental health units if the police are called, they have to wear body cameras. Um, there has to be a trainer, somebody in the hospital who is responsible for training, um, staff, monitoring staff, making sure that all staff, agency as well as um, contract staff, are properly trained, all right, on, on de-escalation. Because the idea is to get away from restraint as much as possible.
7: Mm.
6: So we have to learn how to de-escalate situations and not call in the police at the slightest instance. The police have no, no right to be in a mental health institution. Mm. And they don't like coming either. they will tell you they don't like it. they don't feel they should be there. So mm. you know that is um what we are we're working for. we're trying to make things safer for mental health per- um, um, mental health patients. Um, I don't want anybody to go through what we went through. I don't want it. you know so i I, I, I just want the fact that shaley died but i don't want it to be in vain he didn't die in vain he died and other people you know were were were
3: saved in terms of some of the other episodes that i was thinking about so another few that i'm really proud of and just really grateful to the contributors to the guests for coming to chat to me um kind of one's far back actually there's a couple um in 2018 so there's one in 2018 where I chatted to Paris Lees about trans suicides. Um, and she's just a fantastic speaker. And that's just a really interesting episode, I think. Um, we also have had Juno Dawson on the show a couple of times. She's um, kind of a friend of the show. Um, we really love having her on and she's got two really fantastic episodes that people might want to go back to to, to listen to. Um, and also Another episode I really love is um, an episode we did with Matthew Todd, and that one's called Gay Shame. So obviously those three are about the LGBTQ community and mental health. And I think those are really important ones um, because, again, for me, you know, there's only, <laughs> there's only so many perspectives that I personally can talk about because I'm a, a white, middle-class, straight woman. So it's real, always been really important to me. Um, from the start with mentally yours to um, share as many voices and experiences as I possibly can and just all those three uh, three are just fantastic speakers and um, particularly Matthew Todd actually his book straight jackets it really opened my mind it really sort of broadened my mind um, in many ways to to the prejudices that um, people can face and how that can affect your mental health he really spelled it out very well very clearly Um, so I really appreciated his time Um, and he was also a member of our panel on our live event and um, so I really appreciated him for joining that as well
8: you know things were getting so bad that I was asking for help going to the GP asking to see a counsellor going I saw a counsellor when I was at university, when I had a bereavement, and I quickly moved on to talking about issues around it, surrounding my sexuality, being gay. And she was lovely, but she couldn't help. She said, I don't, I have no idea. And uh, by the end of the eight sessions, she thanked me for educating her about it, which is really frustrating. But also because it hasn't been talked about within... Gay culture with an LGBT culture, you know, all of this stuff is, um, you know, a bit of a taboo. And I wrote about it in Attitude in 2010 when I was editor and we got, everyone was very nervous about it in the office. You know, talking about, you know, the idea that gay people have higher levels of depression, addiction and low self-esteem and suicide and all the rest of it. That's a sensitive thing to talk about because the narrative of gay culture has always been we're proud and it's amazing and you know it's a wonderful thing to be gay and straight people must be so sad that they don't have the exciting lives that we have. So to say that was kind of going against the grain of that.
3: Another, <laughs> I feel like I'm just going on and on now, but there's another kind of topic that I'm sort of um, I think it was just it's a more sort of light-hearted thing to talk about, but. We've been very lucky to have some great celebrities um, coming on the show to chat to, so um, key ones, I'd say, would be Audley Harrison, Rose McGowan, Ruby Wax, um, Captain Tom, and Professor Green. Um, Of those, um, I mean, there's been others, but of those, the most memorable, I think, for me, um, was when I met and chatted to Dame Kelly Holmes. That's an episode back in 2019 and i think that would be a really nice one for people to go back and listen to just because she's such a great speaker and she's incredibly inspiring and i've listened back to that a few times myself and it's just she's really inspiring that's the, that's the only word i can sort of say for her and um and her story so that's a really good one to listen to i think
2: i would say the main Big explosion. The head was in 2003. I was getting ready for a world championships in Paris. I've been an international athlete for 11 years by then, and been in the military for nearly 10. Um, And I was training for these championships. Ended up getting injured again and uh, it just, I don't know, everything crashed. I remember just going into the toilet, looking in the mirror, hating everything about myself, wanting the floor to open up, jumping it and close over me, basically not wanting to be there. Saw some scissors inside, starting cutting myself for every day that I'd been injured, which had been a lot. And when you've got shorts and a crop top on, it's not that many places to hide and then just basic in a mess at that stage and that was when it kind of almost everything came crashing down I mean I think if you look back on it you probably would think well you're obviously vulnerable to it because you I went through so many roller coaster rides for my life and journey ups and downs highs and lows through lots of things and I suppose sometimes it just you, you don't expect it do you I think a lot of people that I spoke to or I know now it's not Really, what you think about happening in your life, are you? You know, as a professional athlete, ex military soldier, you know, on the outside, so hard, but when you get something emotionally happening, yeah, crashed. So 2003 is when it really.
3: I think the parent and children episodes we've had have been really good. Um, there's actually quite a few of these, and I'll be talking forever if I go through, through all of them. But one key one that I've picked out is one back in December 2020, and it's called Looking After My Son. So that was chatting to Amanda and Josiah Hartley. Um, So that was Amanda talking about what it was like when her son was struggling with depression. And it was really helpful, actually, to have the two of them on. So he was talking about his experience of depression and she was talking about what it was like as a mum trying to support him. And he was talking about, you know, what helped him and what didn't help. And I think those sort of conversations that we've had, and like I said, we've had a few of them now. Hopefully. Um, might help people who are trying to support friends or relatives. I mean, it's it's such a tricky one because everybody's so different, um, you know, in terms of what might help them and what might not. Um, but if nothing else, I mean, I think it might help parents to know that there are other parents out there who are struggling.
9: The lowest point where I was living in a studio apartment by myself and um, I just completely gave up. I couldn't see an afternoon to be honest with you, let alone a tomorrow. And I'd describe it as the darkness had won. I just didn't, I just completely gave up. I wasn't eating. I wasn't drinking. I didn't even feel thirst. I was sort of hoping my body would just give up on me at that stage. Without further action required, I would just die. And that'd be that. Um, I remember in the sort of weeks leading up to that moment, looking out the window was almost a treat. Oh, it's daytime. Like there's a, you know, there's a bus gone past. But at this stage, day and night, it all muddled into one. And I was sleeping, you know, far more hours than I was awake I hadn't left my bed in in a long time um and everything just sort of I, I'd always uh quite liked the time even before I was depressed at 4am because absolutely nobody expects anything of you it's just you in perfect stillness you know your phone's not going to ring you can just you know be there and I created an environment where it's 4am at all times without sort of thinking the long-term consequences of that would be
3: Um, I have to give a sort of huge thanks to the guests that came on and chatted um, about trauma and abuse in childhood. So there's one called I'm a survivor, which is Tim Verity. And he chatted very openly and honestly about what he'd been through. Um, And we've had another one more recently uh, on that same topic. And I mean, yeah, it's, listening to that it's not easy always to listen to stories like that but i think it's very important to hear them and again like like any difficult thing that someone's been through i think it can help um to know that there's other people who have been through very difficult situations um but you know they've come out the other side tim's story in particular he he's incredible really you know he's forgiven the person um who abused him. And, you know, he's got on with his life. I, I just think that is a really inspiring um, listen as well.
10: I mean, I had a complete mental breakdown at the mm. age of 15 um, when, when I realized, when I came to this realization through, through my friend's um, sexual assault, that I'd also been assaulted and, you know, that, that something had been, violence had been perpetrated against me. It, mm. it shattered my, my mind, really. I was, quite a lucky child. I I grew up in a, a, you know, a middle-class stable household. Um, and almost overnight, my whole world was fractured. And that started off with, as you say, anger, um, Mm. depression, not being able to sleep at night because when I did sleep, I would relive the abuse in, in fairly horrific, um, glorious technicolor, and so I didn't want to sleep at night. And, you know, I dropped out of school. Um, when I was going into school, I was turning up drunk, um, being quite difficult to be around, really. Um, and as a result, my friends didn't want to be around me. They didn't know how to support me, what I was going through. Mm. Um, I was being encouraged by my uh, NHS talking therapist that I should be speaking out about what had happened, not bottling it up. But whenever I did talk about it, the school would get involved. Uh, they'd be telling me, you know, it was a disciplinary matter. I shouldn't be talking to people about this sort of stuff. It was frightening other people. Um, so I kind of learned quite quickly that being honest about it was was making other people uncomfortable. And, and looking back now, I understand that. You know, they, they were kids as well. But... From that point onwards, after I dropped out of that school, I decided that I was going to start talking about it openly as a a, a screening process, almost, of Mm. if you're going to be friends with me, you need to know this about me and I need to know that you can handle it.
3: Another few episodes that I think have been really helpful um, are the episodes that we've had chatting about money and mental health. So if you listen right back to 2018 we actually had a whole series about this for mental health awareness week, because that was the topic of that week back then. Um, since then we've also focused on money, men- money and mental health again. And, you know, unfortunately this is something that a lot of people will be struggling with, with um, at the moment with the cost of, cost of living crisis. Um, and we know that when people struggle financially, that can really badly affect their mental health. So we've had two episodes, um, relatively recently about that. There's one called Using a Food Bank, which was a lady chatting about uh, when she used a food bank and also the Trussell Trust to talk about, you know, the support that they offer. And another one which I think is really inspiring, which might help people to go back and listen to, is one called Money Worries. And that was a guy who was really struggling, you know, he had really he was in real financial difficulties and he was really struggling with his mental health and the two were really intertwined. You know, he had a lot of anxiety and depression. Um, but that's a fantastic episode to listen to because, you know, he managed to get help um, practically and emotionally. Um, and I think those sort of stories do show that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel.
11: January of 2006 I tried to re-kick, restart my life again. I really, Looking back now, I really was in the right frame of mind to start that or do it successfully. And about 2017 the summer, I really ended up because my mental health was plummeting. And around that time, uh, I helped out two so-called friends. One with a loan, a substantial amount of money, and one with Standing guard Tour, and they both jumped on me big time. And I started getting phone calls and letters about the debts, and it just escalated, and I just totally shut down. Wasn't even answering the phone or the door to people who I even recognized a number. And at one stage, I wasn't going to my bed till about four or five in the morning because I was scared to go to my bed and worried about what the next day would bring.
3: The last one that I wanted to mention um, was probably the most emotional one, although I guess they're all emotional in different ways, um, was one called Losing My Son. So that was an episode back in September 2019. So that was a conversation that I had with a lady who'd lost her son to suicide. It's not an easy listen, um, but that's that was a really important one for me because as somebody who's also um tried to end their own life and who's had suicidal thoughts um you know on and off over the years it was actually incredibly I don't know this might sound selfish but it was incredibly helpful to me or maybe helpful is the wrong word it was I don't know I think it was useful to me to hear what the reality was or would be, um, to my family if I had actually um, died by suicide. That probably sounds really selfish, but I think what I'm trying to say is when I've been extremely depressed, I've been absolutely convinced that that would be the best thing for my family for me to leave. So when I've been incredibly depressed, my depression has sort of told me, actually, you know, this would be the right thing for your family. You know, nobody cares about you. Or I've just been in so much pain that actually I felt like that would never end and and suicide was the only option. But speaking to this lady about losing her son and hearing about, you know, the terrible aftermath of that, the impact on her, the impact on her family, the impact on his friends. um, It really made me realize that, you know, depression does tell you lies. And that people do care about you, and I would recommend everybody listens to that um, if they're but if they're in an okay place it's it's an extremely emotional one to listen to. It was an extremely emotional interview to have. Um, but it is still the one that I really think about the most when I think of mentally yours um, because it really helped me change my perspective. Um, on my depression, and it really made me realize uh, just the the damage that depression can do, and the lies that
7: depression can tell you. My son was born born here, and um, he was a very very gentle gentle boy from the beginning. Uh, he was a great A student. He he loved nature. He loved animals. And he was uh, always caring about homeless people, handicapped people, this stuff. But um, the the problem with Yubi was he could not sleep as a child. He had a sleeping disorder as a baby. And um, it was really hard and painful. But at the age of 15, 16, through the puberty, his circadian rhythm, we call it inner clock, just uh, stopped working. And he could not sleep at all. We went to Mayo Clinic, we went to um, Boston, McLean, because... um, they were known for, for sleeping disorder. Cleaning was famous. And I would go back and forth. And uh, at the end they told us that they, there is no cure. They have never seen uh, a case like Jubin. They had one, but it was not uh, as bad at all. By then, Jubin body was... There was nothing left in him. He was so skinny. He couldn't walk properly and he he looked so old for his age. And then uh, this pain in the head, the pain. Couldn't tolerate it anymore.
0: It's um it's a really powerful one for you to choose as your last one and how amazing to hear that it's also kind of influenced your life in a like a real ongoing way i think for me as a listener obviously only joining the podcast recently one of the things that makes mentally your stand out about stand out from other podcasts out there is just how open and honest you've been about your own mental health over the years um there's no, there's no uh, subtle way of asking, but how is your mental health now? Where would you say, where
3: would you say you're at? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I've, I've done the well, I've done the podcast and now I'm fixed. That's good to know. <laughs> no, 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 unfortunately not. <laughs> that's that's uh-huh. not how it works with bipolar disorder. Um, what I would say is, um, you know, I am on a pretty even keel in terms of my bipolar disorder. Fairly recently, I had a chat um, with my doctor and he sort of referred to the way I'd managed it as a success story, which made me really angry um, because I do often feel that I could have achieved a lot more um, in terms of my personal and professional life if I wasn't constantly carting about this bloody illness. Um, But, yeah, day to day, things are pretty good in terms of bipolar disorder you know i haven't felt that sort of suicidal depression for a while um i haven't had a manic episode um in quite a while um in terms of my binge eating disorder that's still a bit of a daily struggle if i'm honest um i have some brilliant support around that and in the past few years and i think probably also from doing the podcast i've learned a lot around that side of things um but i think that's you know, there's, it's one thing to realize that you use food as a coping mechanism, but then it's another to kind of come up with a lot of other much more healthy coping mechanisms. Um, so that's very much a work in progress, but I mean, I think everyone's a work in progress, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's good to know that you have taken some real positive things away from doing the podcast though. What would you say you've learned about mental health in general? over the years of recording this or about your own mental health were there any sort of light bulb aha moments over the years
3: yeah there's a few things um so I've learned that it's okay to be kind to yourself sounds like massive cliche I think probably but I realized from doing the podcast that I had been sort of a massive perfectionist in the past and had these ridiculous standards but it's okay to give yourself a break it's okay to be kind to yourself. Um I think one massive thing for me from doing the podcast is um it's been really lovely actually just to chat with lots of other people with bipolar disorder because before doing this, um, there was actually quite a long period of my life where I simply took my, my mood stabilizers, I went to see the doctor to sort of have my checkups, but I didn't tell my friends about it. I didn't talk to my family really about it unless I was in crisis, in which case you know I wasn't really talking to them about it, but they were seeing you know, the havoc of it. Um, but I was quite scared for quite a, n- a number of years about chatting to other people with bipolar disorder, you know, like the idea of going to any sort of support group or even, you know, looking up Bipolar UK or kind of being part of some sort of community to do with um, mental illness. I was quite scared about because, I don't know, I think it was maybe internalised stigma. I just thought, well, you know, I know I'm just about all right, but you know what if these are all a load of weirdos but from speaking to the people on mentally yours and also outside um, in support groups i've met some really fantastic people made some lovely friends um, and it's actually been really helpful so that's one key thing that i've learned is that actually reaching out getting involved with some of these charities um, talking to people who are in the same boat isn't a sign of weakness it can actually be very helpful and that's easy to say um, especially it is very easy to say it and people do say it a lot which is why I'm kind of annoyed with myself for sort of saying it again but yeah I mean it, it definitely does help and has helped me um, and I always love the chats that we've had on mentally yours with other people with bipolar disorder because there's almost always something that we have in common (laughs) that I've been like, Oh, you do this or yeah, it's very, very helpful. Um, but yeah, there was a long period of my life where I was very isolated about the way I dealt with my mental illness, um, partly to do with fear, but also I think partly to, to do with kind of perfectionism and pride and all these things. Um, Yeah. I've learned a lot from doing the podcast and then also obviously all the experts we've had on just their basic sort of things about, you know, have a routine, be kind, be kinder to yourself, you know, give yourself a break and, and just look, you know, look through all these episodes. I mean, look, there are so many charities that are out there that are offering support. You don't, you don't have to talk to all of them, but you can just literally Google one of them or um, you can talk to the Samaritans. They're there 24 seven. You can message shout text service um, on 85258 you know all you have to do is send them a text message saying shout and and get some support that way um, it's yeah just asking for help is is very important but not just asking asking and asking and asking at the moment unfortunately again because of you know people are on waiting lists and those haven't gone down unfortunately
0: no, no, they haven't. Um, yeah, you've shared some really helpful tips on things that people can do in the meantime. Um, though there, although I think, yeah, none of us are fooled into thinking there are there are easy fixes, especially at the moment. Um, I do think our listeners will be very keen to still stay in touch with you, although they might not hear you on the podcast um, from now on. So do you want to tell them a bit about where they can find you now, where they can keep track of what you're up to?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and also TikTok, all of them at Yvette Castor, which is at Y-V-E-T-T-E-C-A-S-T-E-R. Um, so on there... With most of them, I have this kind of weird mix of stuff around mental health, but also travel journalism, because um, I do a lot of that as well. So it's all well. And also, if you follow me on Twitter, it's a weird mix of um, mental health, travel, random stuff about um, 90s hip hop and then reality TV. So currently married at first sight. <laughs> so it's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a mixture of the stuff I put out on social media. Um, but yeah, that's where they can follow me.
0: Beautiful. I think that's not a weird mix at all. It sounds absolutely delightful. Um, so everybody make sure you do go and follow Yvette to keep in track of on track of all of that stuff. And final thing, Yvette, I want you to be able to have the last closing word. Is there anything you would like to say to all of the lovely mentally yours listeners who've been listening to you for all of these years?
3: Yes. I'd like to say first of all, thank you so much for listening. Um, because obviously without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, I'd like to say thank you so, so much to all the fantastic guests that have come on um, and chatted to me, chatted to Ellen and I, um, shared their stories, um, been incredibly open and honest, shared their time with us. really appreciate that. Huge thank you to our producer. Huge thank you um, to the lady, lady who made our first jingles huge thank you again um, to Ellen Scott for, you know, believing in mentally yours and setting up with me in the first place. And again, to the listeners, thank you so much for spending time um, with me and for listening to these stories. And I guess the last thing that I wanted to say um, is if you're struggling, at the moment Um, ask for help and keep asking for help ask for help and ask for help again because you are worth saving there are people in your life who care about you and who know things can get better even if you don't believe that at the moment so I believe in you Um, just keep going and thank you so much um, for listening